Hello and welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from OnShop.net. Episode 14, Rethink Crow Park Hours. Now that the recession is supposed to be over, it's worth looking back and seeing what was lost in the last decade in the world of primary school teaching. Pay was obviously the most noticeable for teachers. Uh, the average teacher's salary was down 15 to 20%. Principals were down around 30%. And we also had the Haddington Road Agreement, where we inadvertently sold our newer colleagues down the Swanee. However, there were a number of other things that the board Snip Nua, as it was known, found to chop. Sick leave in primary school teacher was about the most generous thing we had, up to 30 days a year. This was on certified leave. This went down to seven within two years. So for two year, within two years, you can take seven on certified days. And one could receive full pay if you were on certified leave for up to 365 days over a four year period. This was cut down to three months before wages were cut in half and another three months before they were fully cut. Uh, cover for leave was also heavily cut. Uh, uncertified leave is no longer covered by a substitute, but the first day of many other leaves was also no longer had substitute cover. Capitation grants were sliced by 15%. Resources for children with additional needs were cut by 15% and nearly got cut by another 10%. The resource teacher for travellers was cut in almost all schools. English as an additional language was significantly cut by up to 100% in some cases. Class sizes went up and up and a moratorium of posted responsibilities was put in place and 39 hours per year were added to our workload. Yard duty payment was also cut and the DESH scheme was also stopped. This may be the most depressing start to a podcast ever, especially if you're a teacher. However, the INTO, the teachers union, would say it could have been a lot worse. And in fact, they would also say that they saved us from a lot worse. I've heard them say that if it wasn't for them, there would have been a full moratorium on staffing, much like what happened in much of the rest of the public uh, sector. Now, I'm not sure I believe it because it doesn't make any sense. I can't envisage how the government would have gotten away with not continuing to hire teachers, with thousands of older teachers running for the hills before their pensions were swiped away. That's about 25% of the total population of teachers. There was a year where there was, where there, I don't know if there was a single teacher under the age of 60 in the system because, of, uh, because everyone just left. Um, but basically, there would have been schools which would have had to close because they would have had almost no teachers. However, one thing I do believe the INTO negotiated uh, were what are now known as Croke Park Hours. Well, they're known as Croke Park Hours. Certainly in my locality, I don't know what they're called, but I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. It's the extra one hour per week that happens in every school in the country. That's one hour per week every week. Yes, when all the madness of the recession was on, it seemed that in order to sort of satiate the howls of the public about how few hours the public sector actually worked, particularly teachers, the only thing that could be done was to increase the number of hours per week that we worked. Um, that seemed to kind of, you know, make those, that public really, you know, the, because they were so cross about how, how few hours. Luckily, anyway, because everyone seemed to think that teachers only work 25 hours, 
the 26 hour per week that was added wasn't exactly going to be hard labor you know given that the vast majority of teachers work well beyond our 25 hour week you know i mean we know that anyone who's married to a teacher or lives with a teacher knows that but for some reason there's this group of people they seem to text news talk all the time that have and they seem to comment on the journal all the time they seem to think that we work no hours at all um and have six months of holidays a year and all sorts of things i don't know anyway i've always uh wanted to go onto news talk to be honest with you particularly news talk uh because and be interviewed by one of the presenters um and basically it'll pro- you know I, i'd actually like to be ivan yates um uh, bec- uh, you know because i want him to start giving out to me about only working those few hours a day i can wait i can nearly hear him i actually do you know what i actually sometimes dream about this happening um i i, I don't know i realize that's very sad I actually was once on the show um, when it was presented by George Hook. So it's not like it's a dream that might never happen. I have been on the uh, show. And I was kind of disappointed that George Hook didn't have a go at me for my very short day because I was ready for it. But the conversation was about, because the conversation actually on that day was about uniforms. Um, so he just slagged me off about working for Educate Together um, because we don't have uniforms. Anyway, in my dream, my reply to Ivan Yates would be, and what about you, Ivan? You only work two and a half hours a day. Um, there you go. Ah, take that, Ivan. Uh, but the thing is, he he probably just agree with me because he's loads of researchers doing all his planning. Uh, I don't have that, do I? Anyway, I digress. So the fact is that most teachers I know work well over the twenty-five hours a week. When I was teaching full time, I spent about up to about four to six hours a week on planning. Uh, so that's all my paperwork, short-term plans, and things like that. Now, when I started teaching, it was well over that. But I mean. By the time I was, you know, well into my career, about four to six hours a week would have done it. I also spent an extra two hours a day in school. So uh, that's about 10 hours a week. So that's an hour before school and an hour after school, just kind of getting my classroom either ready or uh, getting getting things together, uh, basically for the children. And because I made most of my own resources and I was really passionate about making good displays for learning. One of my things was good displays, probably the UK rubbing off of me. I'll talk about that in a second. And it, would, it wouldn't have been unusual uh, for me to have a 40 to 45 hour week that would have been totally normal um, now as a principal uh, I tend to work 50 to 55 hours a week sometimes 60 if it's um, if it's a busy one um, but anyway I know people don't care about this and and they often talk uh, you know and I, I don't mean about the principal about teachers really or principals because they often talk about the 10 months we have off during the summer sorry I'm being sarcastic with a, a, a three they always say three months actually and teachers don't, and primary school teachers don't get three months really that kind of really irks me for some reason I mean wish even if they were slagging me off for two months even though I don't get them I still take it a little more than the three months because I totally totally don't get the three months anyway so really during the recession the derision about teachers hours was was really at its peak anyway I need to I, I don't know if people remember like people really hated teachers for the amount of uh, hours we they thought we did and for the amount of holidays they thought we had and according to the INTO the government were looking to add an hour a day to our workload for non-contact time bringing us up to a 30 hour contracted time but the INTO seemed to bargain with them bargain them down to an hour a week and these are what, what as I said are known as the Croke Park hours so the government actually wanted uh, to add more uh, based on people giving out um, but um, they've they've bargained them down to about an uh, they bargained them down to the hour a week and really these hours are tokenistic at best in my opinion they don't actually offer enough time to do anything worthwhile such as planning so they just end up being used to conjure up random things sort of to pass the time now that's possibly a little unfair but I mean sometimes y- y- you know the 
you have to fill these hours and you can't do anything particularly productive um, with them. So sometimes you kind of make things uh, up like meetings. And in fact, the weird thing anyway is despite the fact that most teachers work well over that hour a week, the results of the Croke Park hour was that it just actually irked on teachers. It was kind of, it was almost insulting. We, you know, we already worked well over the 25 hours and simply adding an hour a week made it look like the government had given us a slap on the wrist and forced us lazy teachers to do it just a measly extra hour on top of those 25. It just made teachers feel unappreciated for the hours of free work they do every single week. So what happens when you do that? Well, teachers who spend several times more hours per week coaching sports teams, bringing students on trips and so on said, you know, screw this. We'll give them the hour a week. But we're not going to give you any more than that. You know, you want your extra hour. Well, we'll give you your hour. But that's it. And while that might come across a little bit whingy or spoiled, think about your own job if you're not a teacher. You know, I know the trend these days is to work more hours than you're contracted for. But what if your boss basically told you, uh, we're just adding an extra week uh, hour to your week for free due to cutbacks and you're already working well over that hour? I, I imagine you'd feel a little bit annoyed by uh, by your the, that your extra work obviously hadn't been noticed or appreciated. Anyway, let's fast forward a few years, and I'm fairly sure this anger has sort of dissipated a bit. But Croke Park Hour remains, and it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. It seems to just now be part of the deal when you become a teacher. Now, the aim of this episode isn't actually to moan about the hour or even think of a good ways to use this hour every week. I I, I don't think there's great ways. I think we have to need, really have a, a complete think about the whole concept of non-contact time. This is the time outside of the classroom. Let's look at this in a little bit more detail. It'll be no surprise to teachers that Ireland has an above average number of contact hours with pupils than average in the OECD. Okay, so we're well over the average. Um, However, contracted non-contact time, so non-contact hours, is even more interesting. In the OECD, Ireland has by far the lowest percentage of non-contact times with pupils embedded in their contracts. It's the only country in the whole of the OECD with less than 10% non-contact time. At primary level, just under 4% of our paid working hours are non-contact time. And the nearest to us is Mexico at about 11%. Finland's at about 15%. But before the Croke Park hours came along, we actually had no paid non-contact hours we were doing it all for free okay and I, I i don't say that to whinge but we were doing all these hours for free now to anyone with even the smallest amount of insight to our job it's impossible to do our job in the confines of a contracted working week of 25 hours being in a classroom and i said this in the uh, in the news podcast earlier in the week is similar to being on stage in a theater you have to be there all the time And you also have to fully engage your audience. Now you're on stage every day, Monday to Friday, for around five hours with all the intensity that comes with being on a stage, basically. But the thing is, half of the audience, at least half of your audience, really don't want to be there. Um, And a load of them aren't even focused on the performance. And a load of them might be crawling under their chairs, uh, eating things on the floor. Um... And, and anyway, apart from all that, you know, you don't even, you know, even though you're acting, you don't, you actually have to write your own scripts. You have to make all the props and uh, you also have to provide all the security and make sure that you look after every single need of every single audience member, ensuring that they can access your piece, whatever that is, at whatever level they're at. And 
You can't even leave to go to the bathroom. Our scripts are our lesson plans and they have to be done outside of teaching time. You can't do them while you're on stage. You, we also have to review these plans every month through our Countess Mises. Reports have to be written at the end of the year. Assessments must be made, corrected and filed all through the year. Displays have to be designed and put up. You know, you get the picture. None of that can be done within the 25 hours. This sort of thing takes lots of times and we don't get paid for it. We don't even look to get paid for it because I guess it's a given that our pay is actually kind of reasonable enough to allow for the goodwill. Before the Croke Park hour, it was actually a unique situation in the OECD not to have non-contact time in our contract. You see, the problem, though, of relying on goodwill is it's very easy for goodwill to be taken away. And I'd actually argue that that's exactly what happened when Croke Park hours were landed on teachers. This makes it really difficult for school leaders to manage schools because of a reliance on goodwill. And while most schools still have it because, you know, teaching is quite vocational despite everything, it's theoretically a problem. It's theoretically fairly restrictive for school leaders. And I'm really, I have to say, I'm very conscious that any time I ask a member of, my, uh, of staff in my school to do something outside of school time, that I'm encroaching on their personal time. And it's all well and good when I go to these leadership courses and I'm told, delegate, delegate everything, or make staff realise that they work for the entire school. Like, this is the stuff you get on courses, you know, you, but, but it's all based on goodwill. And it's actually kind of irresponsible of us to ground an entire part of our education system in Ireland on this goodwill. We do have boards of management, I suppose. I don't know why I think it's so silly. Uh, but we, it's, it's based on goodwill, especially, especially after it was diminished so badly by Croke Park hours and underappreciated because of this introduction of Croke Park hours. I actually think we need to look at our non-contact hours and start formalising them and paying teachers accordingly for them. I believe we've already missed that opportunity in the last recession, but let's see what might be possible. You know, let's see what if we if we could have done it all over again, what would we do now? Well, the first question is, what would be the minimum amount of non-contact time that a teacher would need every week to complete their work? I think it's a fair question. What's the minimum amount of time it would take to do your work? Now, these are only some suggestions, and I'm sure there is no definitive answer as different people work differently. However, I think it's totally fair that there is no one out there that is able to complete all their work in zero time. If you can, you need to share the secret with us on our, on our page uh, because um, I tell you, I would love to know that secret. Looking at planning, when I started um, teaching my first few years, I took about 12 to 15 hours a week to get all my short-term plans done, which is, which is probably fairly, fairly um, average, I hope, uh, for uh, most primary school teachers when they're starting. Because you, you need to, you need to get, you're getting used to everything. You know, you're, you're really trying to, you don't know the curriculum as well and so on and so forth. But within a few years, I was down to about five to six hours a week. You know, generally I'd get it, on a good week, I'd get four Four hours, bad week, six hours. Particularly if I was starting a new thing, I suppose it might take a little longer. Once I got my systems and routines in place, I mean, that generally, you, you get routines generally that, uh, that help speed things up. However, this didn't include creating and making resources or making and hanging up displays. And one thing I noticed in Ireland compared to my time in the UK is that displays aren't as big a thing over here. And when I was in the UK, displays actually used to take me an average of two hours a week. I'm not saying we should follow the UK. I may never get over the, the, the psychological scars of being forced to double pack every single thing I made. And the amount of trees that died for this is probably unforgivable. However, I do see the power of a good display in a classroom for learning and it's well worth putting some time into them. Anyway, long story short, 
I think an average of seven and a half hours a week for planning and displays might be about right if we were hypothetically calculating what could go into a non-contact time contract, as it were. Teaching is also no longer a solitary job. Um, you don't simply go into your classroom and never see another adult. Um, between support teachers, external workers from HIC or different agencies, special needs assistants, school leaders, parents, most teachers spend a lot of their free time speaking to other adults. And snippets of this can be done during school, but these are generally fairly unfocused because obviously the main focus at this time is the children's learning. So it's, it's hard to have a meeting when you've got 30 children in front of you uh, trying to work. But is there an argument to add meetings into our working day? I mean, let's look at parents, for example. Could we examine an idea of having 15 to 20 minutes before and after school where parents could book a time to meet with their teacher and have this accounted for? Would it formalise things too much? I don't know. We are meeting parents, certainly more often after school or before school, but it's certainly not accounted for. I don't know. Should we formalise it? Book meeting, uh, booking meetings with, uh, with parents? Would you have parents that might um, take advantage of knowing that this fact uh, is we have this time uh, that they're not encroaching into our freedom? I don't know. What about meetings with support teachers and special needs assistants? I mean, surely these need high focus. As this is very, very difficult in front of a class. And again, would a planned hour or two a week be something we could utilise? Focus groups or staff meetings on school planning is another time spent outside of regular teaching that happens quite a bit, whether that's SSE or DRIHID or any of the other more recent systems that were forced upon us without any time allocated to allow for them. And again, would an hour a week for school planning be adequate or would we just be making more work for ourselves? Again, they're just these are just questions. I'm not sure whether I whether I whether I agree with them or not. I'm kind of putting them out there and um I, I'd be interested in your own uh, in your own thoughts. And then how about CPD? Um I I, I touched on this last week um and I know it it gets it's it's kind of a hot water sort of topic. But is there an argument for this to become part of our core work? I think much of this could be done internally. I mean, I, I think we, we have a lot of wisdom within teaching. There's a lot of people with different interests. I, I spent my first um, number of years in, in school basically being the tech, tech support guy. Um, and uh, I have an interest in technology um, and, uh, and I'm able to help in terms of different things. I could do CPD in, in most areas of technology. But, there, but it might give, uh, apart from that, I mean, doing internal sort of uh, training with the staff in their various areas, it might give opportunities for local clusters of schools to provide training to each other. Now, it's just an idea to explore. Why can't we teach each other stuff depending on our schools? Because every school has different priorities. They have different ideas. Um, and if we aren't competing with each other, which we shouldn't be, um, then why not uh, create these clusters? However, I imagine we could easily fill any number of hours into a week if we went this way. Given that the public perceive that we only work half days anyway, is there actually an argument to get what we really do recognised? Is there an argument to make teaching a 40-hour week job with contact time built in for planning, paperwork, meetings and so on? However, you'd have to put in this sort of, I don't know, this, this kind of restraint or constraint, sorry, not restraint, constraint. Once you did those 40 hours, you were not allowed to do any other work. You could not go home and do work. No work could be brought home. Could there be systems in place that if there was extra do work done though, so let's say someone couldn't do everything in 40 hours, that you would get paid overtime, like every other workplace. Now, 
That raises other questions, of course. Who's going to manage this and how are they going to manage this? Um, you know, if I do a 60-hour week and I'm only supposed to be doing a 40-hour week, who gave me permission to do those extra 20 hours? Who's going to prove that I did those 20 hours, uh, particularly if I do them at home? How would I account for those 20 hours? How could I account for the efficiency of those 20 hours? So, I mean, I know it it, it, it raises several more questions than it, than it probably should. Um, look, they're simply questions rather than suggestions. I... I, I honestly think, though, a teacher could generally do their work in a 40-hour week. I don't think that's unreasonable. Of course, it may be just the case that we will never, ever satisfy the growing and unrealistic expectations of the public. And maybe we do actually have it right already. Maybe having the complete freedom to do the bare minimum is actually okay. And those of us who want to do more than that can be welcome to do that. I just wonder, does it motivate someone to do that for their entire 40 year or more career? Personally, I like the idea of a defined working week in some ways. It gives a realistic view of exactly what we do every day. However, the downside is the potential that we might fall down that UK style rabbit hole where meetings happen for the sake of meetings. The working week extends further and further. 40 hours won't be enough. We'll move into 50 then to 60 as non-contact time is filled in by bureaucracy and meetings and planning and all that sort of stuff. And that just ends up having to be done. And basically your regular planning and displays have to be done in your own free time anyway, because someone somewhere will fill in the 40 hours of meetings um, and all that sort of stuff. So if we're going to move into a system where we add non-contact hours, we need to be very, very careful that we don't abuse. On next week's show, if you try to find two primary schools in Ireland with exactly the same technology setup, you'd be very hard pressed to do so. Every school has a mishmash of different operating systems, hardware and so on. This is generally to do with a policy failure which continues to this day. Next week I'm going to focus on technology and try and figure out why such a small country like Ireland couldn't manage to manage it all at all. And what would I do if I were the Minister for Education? As always, thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, whatever platform you're using. Take care and we'll talk to you next week.